0: a Tuesday, September 8th, and we've been talking for a while about a second, a third podcast stream. It's kind of silly to talk about it when you can't even keep up with the one that you've been doing. Uh, obviously, you guys listening to the podcast know that this has been a little bit of a rough summer. Uh, school starts today here in Brainerd, Minnesota. Uh, my kids are back. Uh, this, the, the, the fall and winter routine kicks in. And uh, we've got some exciting staff announcements, and I wanted to start uh, this week off with a quick podcast update. This is something that we've been wanting to do, and I, I hope we can start to do now on a more regular basis. The, the first thing I want to let you guys know about is that last week we had uh, we have uh, a new staff member, a guy named Jason Schaefer. He lives in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And he started last week as our member support specialist. He actually was able to drive down here to Brainerd. Uh, We spent a day kind of going over stuff and and getting kind of oriented. He's been working uh, since then up there. He's going to work remotely in in Grand Forks, and we'll get together every now and then. I did a real nice write-up on him for the blog today. If you head on over there, you can get that. Uh, He's a North Dakota native, went to UND, uh, worked a while in the energy sector, uh, really got in a sense kind of burned out on and I, I want to have him on the podcast and let him tell his story at some point here in the near future uh but really developed a passion for cities a passion for urbanism a passion for the kind of stuff that we do at strong towns became a member last year went to our national gathering has stayed in touch helped to arrange uh, a curbside chat and uh Having me work, um, or come up there to Grand Forks for an event that they had earlier this year, uh, got to meet him and interact with him there. And, and when he p- applied for the job, uh, of member support specialist, I just said, wow, this guy is, uh, it's gotta be our, our top applicant right now. He's just a, a natural at the position. A, a, a real friendly guy. Someone who's uh, in, enthused about our mission, enthused about our members, and enthused about uh, putting help, helping us put it all together. So, if you're a member of Strong Towns, uh, expect to hear from Jason. I I, I know he's uh, trying to contact people, and and you know we've got quite a long list of members now, uh, but coordinating member events and and doing a lot of stuff. And and really, if you want to get a hold of him, Jason at StrongTowns.org is a great place to start. Let him know. Uh, He's welcome here and that you're excited to have him as part of the staff as I am. Uh, This week is back to school. It's also back to the fall travel schedule. I'm going to be headed out. Uh, If you want to know where I'm going to be for the rest of the year, you can go to strongtowns.org and click on events. Um, I want to say we've got like 24 events. I'm doing 25, something like that, uh, throughout the course of the rest of the year. I know my wife freaked out because... I think I'm, I think I've got an on the road trip each of the next nine weeks, which is not the way you like to start the school year. But, uh, you know, I've been home most of the summer, so it's kind of like the way things go around here. Uh, this week is going to be really excited because I'm headed to Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, you probably know and remember that, uh, I've been doing some work along with Joe Minicosi and Josh McCarty over at Urban Three. In Lafayette for the last, uh, you know, year, year and a half, um, they have, have asked us to help them put together a financial analysis tool, uh, that would look in a way that no city in the country has ever looked at their finances. We took the, uh, the, the problems that everybody's struggling and dealing with, really, the you know, why don't we have enough money for roads? Why don't we have enough money for sidewalk repair? Why 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 don't we have enough money for anything? And we analyzed their finances geographically. We we started looking at where their roads are, how much they cost to maintain, what the usage is, what kind of people use them, where they live. Uh, we looked at their sewer system, their water system, their transit system, their drainage system. I, I, any place we could get a cost. Uh, We delved into it and tried to come up with a a cost factor for every single parcel of land within the city. We then looked at each parcel from a revenue standpoint and figured out how much revenue we'd get from each. And at the end of the day, put together a a map that plots all this up and shows, in in a rough sense... Where the city is making money and where the city is losing money. Not, not that cities are in the money making business, but as we point out in our principles of a strong town, uh, financial solvency is a prerequisite for doing good. If you want to do good in the world, if you want to, uh, you know, as a city, do good things for your citizens, for your residents, for your businesses, uh, you have to stay financially solvent. And the city of Lafayette, like almost every city in the country, is not financially solvent. And so the question becomes, why? Why are we not? And this is one way to analyze development patterns that essentially generate excess wealth and prosperity and development patterns that uh, that do not. Um, predictably, and this kind of correlates really well with the the revenue stuff that Joe Minnicozzi has been doing for a long time, Predictably, of course, the traditional development pattern has much lower costs than the auto-oriented development pattern and much higher revenues associated with it as well. So the places in the city that are the most cash flow positive tend to be the older, more historic, more walkable neighborhoods, along with a newer, new urbanist style of development. While uh, the auto-oriented stuff, particularly the more Modern it is, or the, the the newer it is essentially the further out and on more marginal property it is, uh, the less revenue it produces, and the greater the level of expense uh, to service and maintain it. Um, this is all fascinating work, and we're going back because they're in an election year uh, their their mayor is term limited out he's been a big proponent of asking these hard questions and seeing an answer developed. Uh, but there's a, you know, uh, election season going on and a lot at stake and a lot of people talking about these issues. So we're going back to essentially do a briefing, uh, talk with people, uh, help them understand our research. You know, we're, we're really not partisan. We don't have a stake in this election. We're just out there providing data and information for people to analyze and and make well-informed choices. And so we're, we're going there to do that as part of that. Uh, at the at the last minute here, an opportunity has come up to really, I think, engage a, a, cro- a part of the, the population that maybe is, uh, I'm going to say skeptical or, or just kind of maybe reflexively tends to tune out from the conversation. That being uh, a group of, um, well, a group of people that have opposed any kind of planning processes in the city. Uh, has brought in uh, Randall O'Toole, the anti-planner. Uh, that's his uh, Twitter handle, the anti-planner. That's his website, the anti-planner. Uh, Randall O'Toole is a, a Cato research fellow, a research fellow with the Cato Institute. He's written a number of books, a number of in- influential papers. Uh, he is a libertarian thinker, as as I am on many issues, actually, uh, and has been very, very critical of transit systems, of planning, and uh, of uh, investments that do not involve the automobile. Uh, we are going to be debating, Randall, O'Toole, and I. Uh, they've asked us to come in and debate the merits of Plan Lafayette, the comprehensive plan that was recently adopted in the city of Lafayette. And I will be doing that Thursday night. Uh, it starts at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. I believe we have figured out how we are going to be able to live web stream this. And so if you're interested, you can go to our site at strongtowns.org. And uh on Wednesday night, there will be a live feed of the debate there. Uh you won't be able to miss it. We've got a banner at the top, we've got a really nice website set up, and unless something goes haywire with the Wi-Fi, which I, I don't think it should, but uh that would be the only thing that would keep us from being able to do it at this point. So it'll be a fun debate. Um, we each get opening statements, we get rebuttals, and then there's going to be a a fairly decent length Q and A with the audience. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, Randall O'Toole and I have debated before, uh, online in print. Um, that was an, an interesting conversation maybe like four years ago that we had. Uh, we do not, um, <laughs> I was going to say, we don't, we don't disagree. There's, there's a lot of stuff I think we probably agree on, particularly when it comes to the national level. Um, where I think we'll run into, uh, the most areas to have a disagreement or, or a, a deeper, what I hope is an intellectual conversation on is when we get to the local level. Uh, I, I am, I am, I am more of an advocate of community in the, uh, you know, Mayflower compact kind of sense than I am of, uh, of, of libertarian, laissez faire, hands off, um, government, um, at the local level. Uh, I, have I've espoused I've this theory before on the podcast, but if, if you had to pigeonhole me politically, I, I tend to be fairly libertarian. At the federal level, I I don't think there's a lot, particularly when we get to transportation and land use policy, that the federal government can do very well. They are a a huge bull in a china closet. Uh, It's pretty hard for them to press down on one part of the scale and not impact other parts of it randomly and in unknowable and and unpredictable ways. Uh, I tend to think that federal policy in land use, transportation, economic development does far more harm than good. And, uh, would, would, would tend to not, you know, be, be as, as maybe libertarian as I, as I could get away with at the federal level. I think Randall Tool and I would probably find a lot to agree with there. I go to the other end of the spectrum then, which is the family. Uh, you know, if you have families, uh, neighborhoods, cities, regions, states, and, and federal governments, uh, as kind of organizing, uh, organizing units at different levels. I go down to the family level and I'm essentially, you know, a communist, I'm communal. Uh, you know, we don't require our children to work a certain number of hours to earn their food. We feed them whether they've been, you know, uh, deserving or not in many ways. Um, right. Because we love them because we take care of them. That's part of what we do. Uh, we don't, you know, require certain things in order to get certain outcomes. We, uh, you know, uh, we have a family, we have young kids, we have expectations of them. But, you know, if they don't fulfill those expectations, it's it's not like they go without, right? They still are going to have food, they're still going to have shelter, they're still going to have clothing, they're still going to have nurturing, they're still going to have love, Uh, all, all of those things. As we go up from The family level to the neighborhood level, I become less communal, but I'm I'm not quite libertarian yet, right? If my neighbor uh, is sick and needs their driveway shoveled, I will shovel it, right? Um, If my neighbor needs an egg for a recipe and and you know doesn't have the time to run to town because the whatever's in the in the oven cooking, I will gladly give them an egg and you know they would do the same for me we we would help each other out right and there's a certain communal relationship that comes from living that close to someone that i think is natural and i think is is okay when we get to the city level we're not com- we're not quite communal right we have a level of government now we're electing officials particularly in, in a small town like mine yeah i think you get to a, a larger city and there's different boroughs and neighborhoods and different things that would come into effect before you go from neighborhood to city. Uh, but I think when you get to, you know, the city level, um, I, 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 I think you're becoming more in my ideal world, more libertarian. Um, but you're still for the most part uh, dealing with very complex issues. You're making really complex decisions uh, that are, are not always, um, going to run in the ivory tower, uh, you know, ideologically pure kind of way. Right. Um, I'm okay with that. And I think some of those compromises, uh, are inevitable and have to be made. Uh, maybe I can go into that in more detail in a larger podcast. Um, when you get to the state and federal level, then I, I tend to, as I said before, think that those levels of governments often are the bull in the China closet that I think oftentimes do more harm than good. uh, I'm hoping that Randall Toole and I can leave the state and federal government and all the kind of straw man arguments that go along with that off the table, because he's not going to find me supporting the federal DOT or state you know, mandated planning. Uh, But where we will have, I hope, a good conversation is when it comes to the local level. Uh, One last thing about this week, Um, my board of directors has asked me, uh, and I think rightly so, to start uh, a, a very conscious effort to write about and talk about success stories. Um, we've had many, many, many success stories, uh, things that have developed a, as part of or in concert with what we've done here at Strong Towns, especially now that we're, you know, quite a number of years into growing and building the strong towns movement, we can actually look back and see how seeds we've planted have started to come to fruition. Uh, I, I've seen many of these and what my board kind of challenged me with is, okay, Chuck, we know these are out here. You need to start documenting them. You need to start writing them down. You need to start thinking about them because if, if we're going to continue to build this movement, uh, we can't just rely on your memory off the cuff to talk about success stories. We, we've got to be a little more formal with this. And so, this, uh, this coming week, if you follow the blog, you're gonna see on Friday a story about Waco, Texas. I gave a, a talk in Waco, Texas earlier this year. It's very well received, a, a really great conversation. I, I gave a number of different uh, lectures there. And I was able to have a, I won't say it was a private meeting with the city council members. It was certainly open to the public, and there were some members of the public that were there. Uh, but I had what I think I would call an intimate conversation with some members of the city council in Waco. And I found them to be very refreshing. Um, they got the Strong Towns message. Uh, it seemed like a natural fit for them. And, um, you know, they, they asked really, really good questions. And it, it was clear that they were on the cusp of making some really difficult decisions. And the information that we were sharing with them, uh, gave them some confidence to go forward in a direction that I think their gut was telling them to do. Uh, when I was on vacation last month, there was an article that came out. No, this one wasn't last month. This one was just last week. Um, when, last week, there was an article that came out from Waco uh, basically uh, detailing the, the tough choices that are in their updated comprehensive plan, uh, choices that the city is intentionally making to not subsidize Low returning unproductive development on the edge of the city, but instead, uh, to ask essentially development to pay its own way, uh, with a focus on, uh, more opportunity within, uh, the downtown, within the surrounding neighborhoods, with areas that have already proven to be financially productive. So if you're a reader of the blog, check that out. It will be showing up on Friday, uh, on the blog. We got lots of great content uh, this week. And uh, in addition to welcoming Jason, I've got another announcement for you uh, either next week or the week after. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Have a great week and keep doing what you can to play. The